Hey, this is Russ Bain with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPBR episode 127, Scenario Chop Shop. And with me uh, is Dan and Caleb. Uh, we're Hello. Mixing Hi. So, yeah. Uh, insert Tom. Oh, announcer voice. All right. So we got that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> Tom's role is now done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody just soundboard him up. <laughs> <laughs> we love Tom. Uh, but we will... Have him back in the next episode. I wanted to have a little change of pace because uh, I want to talk about scenario design. Uh, and I want to have Dan here because uh, we're – first off, we should get some news. Um, we have – the Patreon is doing very well. Thank you to everyone who has backed it, uh, including all you new backers. Uh, I have created a new website, afterhours.roleplaynpublicradio.com. Uh, this is a companion site to the RPPR Patreon where I put a little blog post for every – single type of Patreon content out there uh, that you can go on and look for. So if you're missing an episode of After Hours or our new pop bonus podcast, What the Heck, Episode 2 just dropped on the Patreon, by the way, which is an actual play of Old World of the Darkness, where all the dice are rolled. Just all of them. Uh, it was very... already rubbing his forehead. Lots of personal horror involved. Uh, and uh, some new After Hours that Dan was also in. Um, so... Uh, check that out. If you're curious about the Patreon, you can read descriptions of all the content you can get on the Patreon, so you can uh, browse before you uh, buy, essentially. Um, but uh, we have, uh, by the time this is supposed there will be a new milestone for the Patreon. Uh, that will be at $1,800, and that will be uh, a new podcast for RPPR, RPPR Tabletop Tales, uh, which is our campaign actual play. This will be a weekly podcast, one a week, uh, for... One campaign at a time, and this these will be because we're doing so many actual plays now that we, we have a surplus, so we need to start upping our our release cycle. Uh, For those longtime listeners, I want you to truly take that statement <laughs> on board. <at> time. <laughs> Ross's backlog has at points reached the three year mark. No, 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 no. It's two years. All right, that's my record, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm aware of, uh, and that was the horrible, lonely old house. That I recorded in 2009 and posted in 2011. <laughs> so I keep tracks. I keep tabs. No, that's the latest difference. But at yeah. one point you told me you could die. Oh, yeah. And if you auto-scheduled the episodes, yeah, oh, RPPR yeah. would remain on for three years. And that persisted four years <laughs> <laughs> with you having no intention of doing it. <laughs> at this point, the backlog is so large that even you need, feel the need to relieve some pressure, <laughs> which is, like I said, the listeners need to take a moment to digest that fact because <laughs> it's a truly stupefying amount of We like playing play tabletop material. games. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're going to be doing um, – we have two great campaigns uh, that we've recorded a lot for so far that will be first up on the block. Uh, the first will be Dan's uh, Dresden Files campaign. Season one, yeah, Season one, uh, which is set in Springfield, Missouri, uh, where we actually live in real life. Uh, 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 but this – yeah. The whole yeah. campaign, just one big rolling advertisement. That Tom is doing for all the Springfield area businesses and restaurants, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the entire each episode is just going to various restaurants and commenting about them. It's just dinner party after dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has magical powers. Yeah, they aren't used. Yeah, <laughs> but but boy, howdy, do we get some maple bacon? They bonus. are used to figure out how to divvy up the tab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, they, there's a lot of fighting, investigation, wizard shenanigans. Uh, we have two ta- uh, teams, Team Face and Team Guar. Uh, I'm my are my characters on Team Guar. 
Uh, that was more of the direct action group. Uh, so there's a lot to look forward to. And then after that, uh, which will last quite a while, uh, then we have Armitage Files, which Bill's been running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have season one of that ready to go. And then, of course, we're recording more. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we'll, who knows what we'll have next. Uh, Tom is running the campaign now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I, at some point, want to run a Base Raiders campaign, not just an actual, not just one-shots, as fun as those are. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, if you want to see this happen... Um, this Tabletop Tales will have a separate podcasting hosting account, so hopefully it'll download faster if you've been having problems with RPPR episodes downloading slowly. Um, the extra money will help me get a better or separate web hosting account, so it'll it will be faster, so it won't be bogged down by all the other podcast people. Now, just to make sure that the folks at home can have this nice and clarified for them, Ross, now, this is not going to be a Patreon-only no, more. yeah, that, that's a good point. A Tabletop Tales will be a public, free podcast. Everyone will be able to download it from iTunes or whatever. Pod, I'll submit it to iTunes and everything else. Uh, so everyone benefits. Uh, yay, if you help back it. And if you back it, you get all kinds of great stuff. Uh, so if you're addicted to our podcast, you should, you know, back the Patreon. Yay, uh, paywall socialism. <laughs> uh, pretty much. So, um, and... Yeah, we have a lot of great stuff coming up, uh, and we'll, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, talk about that um, in the future episodes. Uh, but first of all, let's get to the episode itself, which is um, also kind of related to the Patreon, talking about scenario, workshopping the scenario idea I have, essentially, uh, just talking about scenario di- design in general. Um, and I've talked about this, and the reason why I wanted you guys here, not yeah, to, I've already talked about this with Tom and Aaron uh, in previous episodes, where... Running an online game uh, is has revealed to me some challenges of making an engaging scenario. That's sort of what I'm trying to focus on uh, as a scenario designer. How so more than at a table? Well, because in an online game, um, it's you you don't have a lot of the ver- same cues that you do as. Uh, it's harder to tell if someone's being engaged or not unless they're actively talking to you. And there's also that sort of uh, hard to like let people know this person needs I wanted this person to talk or like you know looking at people so there's a lot of the the, the sort of things you take for granted at in face to face interactions that you don't miss um there's also you you don't get to pass books or information around quite as easily i mean you do that is kind of made up by being able to send web links and stuff like that as um a yeah google docs yeah google docs or hey look at this image i found on the internet um, of a basket star, which is a crazy sea thing, uh, animal thing that is really gross that I use as a handout essentially uh, in an online game. But um, so I feel that, and and uh, there's never that that same visceral feel like when somebody rolls a critical hit or a critical failure on the table. So um, that's kind of what I, I am feeling. And so like it's harder to gauge when players are. are it's harder to tell when plays are engaged or not. So that it's that that's what I mean. I mean, you've run online games too. Do you, do you does that seem to jive with your experiences? Uh yeah, that's why I hate them. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the players are bad, but like yeah. if I can play, I will play at a table. Yeah. And, uh, also, it's also <clears throat> uh, now that I think about it, there's also substantial differences too, like bookkeeping for combat and stuff like that. It's just so much harder in an online game. Um, um, yeah, so I know most. I know a lot of people run online primarily, uh, but yeah, for for me, I just don't have the chops 
for it. Uh, I think I use a lot of eye contact and presence to uh, get the table motivated and controlled. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not consciously aware of it, I suspect so. And then um, my problem is that if there's uh, – I have a problem with engagement as well, but like – I notice it more when there's too much engagement and everyone's trying to talk you over each other. Yeah, there's that as well. Uh, and then there's, uh, it's just always two hours of tech support for every one hour of actual <laughs> gaming. And mm-hmm. that just drains the joy out of my soul. Uh, so I, I, Google I, Hangouts has been better than Skype in, in my experience. Oh, infinitely better than <laughs> Skype in my experience. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a unique animal. I'm going to yeah. have to wrestle with it again coming up here soon though so. i mean i certainly trying to do like a d20 style combat and i know there's like tabletop <coughs> tools like fancy grounds and mm-hmm. roll 20 and stuff like that and i'll let you know how doing a d20 style <laughs> system and yeah so dad wrong. you're gonna be running uh speaking of yeah the patron you're gonna be running tolus uh using fifth ed D, correct yes yeah we did character creation last month it was a nice big group session where apparently we determined that all the player characters are money laundering sharks. <laughs> well, literal sharks, or yeah, uh, I don't know sharks. if it really matters in the difference. <laughs> like it's yeah. tallest, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, and but it, it made me think about running normal games too, because you know, especially when you're running with a larger number of players, someone tends to get lost in the mix, and mm-hmm. uh, and also just even when you there are scenarios where. You're running, you realize you're just talking to the players or at the players for a while, and they're not giving anything back, and there's no cross-table stuff. There's no player versus player interaction, uh, or very little of it. And um, so, like, I ran a scenario for Monster of the Week for uh, as a pickup game um, for the RPPR group. There are six people involved, uh, and it was uh, based, it was set in the ocean, and so there's a lot of like, well, you're in a boat and you have to go to this other boat that's, you know, a ghost ship uh, or this this abandoned ship or this derelict. And so I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of OK. Well, we wait until we get there. OK, well, you know, uh, so I kind of sped those things along. I'm like, hmm. So uh, and of course, I recorded this game. But um, then I ran I took the same sort of themes and then I ran as a, a Call of Cthulhu game for the Patreon backers. And I'll link to that. Uh, but there was one scene in particular I felt that really stood out where the players were on this ghost ship. It was an abandoned ship. Like I based it on um, a Russian cruise liner that had been abandoned for like decades and floated around the Atlantic. And like there was a story a couple of years ago about how it was infested with rats and it was going to crash along the shores of Britain. And like, oh, God, we need to d- deal with this. But this, no one's seen the ship in years, so it's probably just sank. Uh, but I like the idea of that. So the players are on this abandoned Russian cruise liner and they're trying to get the ocean or the uh, engines working and then one player here is tracing a pipe from point A to point B to figure out where it goes and then he hears they have these um, uh, I don't know if they have them on ocean ships but I know in some ships they have these vocal powered uh, phones essentially they're voice powered phones essentially really fancy you know tin cans with strings so I was going to say yeah yeah um, and they, the reason why they use them is because they don't need electricity. So you can, mm. in case something bad happens, you can still like, hey, we need help over here or something like that. Uh, and it rings. And he's like, hello? And then there's this weird voice. What are you doing on my ship? And so the player's talking back and forth with this. And out of character, it's a Shoggoth that's been sleeping on the ship 
waiting for it to go to the place where it's basically a you know a really bad thing going to happen in the middle of the ocean. The Shoggoth is just wanting to go to this place, and he knows it's going to happen on the ship, or it's, the ship is going there. And so he's asking the players what they're doing and that kind of stuff. And uh, the players are like freaking out, like, "Who is this crazy? Is there a crazy person on our ship? What's going on?" Do you? And then the, the the voice on the phone asks him, "Do you have the key?" He's like, "Oh well, of course I have the key. They have no idea what the key is." And so. <laughs> Um, it was a great scene. Everybody was like moving around. Everyone was like, "Oh God, what's going on?" Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. It was a, everyone was really engaged, and I really. Uh, but then, of course, the event obviously, inevitably, the Shagath just like, "Ah, screw this! I'm going to eat those guys." So yeah. cue the chase scene. Some of the NPCs were eaten. Uh, everyone else got off on a uh, uh, the the small ship that they arrived on and uh, went out to chase the plot. And the rest was like, "Okay, well, you're going to the you know the your destination, the bad place," and. Dealing with things, uh, so it was a very linear scenario. Otherwise, because you know there was so many options as to what a Shoggoth was going to do with the player characters. Well, I mean that's the thing. Like the Shoggoths are intelligent, and I really like them in Call of Cthulhu because they're badass. They're they're but they're not gods. Like you know a ghoul or a deep one. You know, players can usually take them if they have guns or they have, get the drop on them. Shalgoth, you can get the drop on them. It's still going to fucking destroy you unless you have overwhelming firepower. Uh, but on the other hand, <laughs> there that overwhelming firepower is a nuke, in which case you just make it radioactive. Right. Well, no, Shoggoths can be killed by radiation. They're not Cthulhu. That's the thing that, like, you could kill a Shoggoth with concentrated artillery fire or a nuclear weapon, but you have to have concentrated artillery fire or a nuclear weapon. Uh, they're they're bad guys, but they're not. Uh, they're bad enough to be super scary, but they're not gods. You know. So the players have that. They have the the illusion of hope. You know, which is what I like, uh, a slimmer of hope. Um, so I like that part of that scenario. And then, so I thought about it. So instead of just dropping the entire nautical theme, just like, oh, how about a, a scenario focused on interacting with a monster? But the players don't necessarily, you know, how does that happen? Um, so here's the idea I have for this scenario. And I want to just sort of get your ideas on how to, to focus it. The idea is that there's a Shoggoth who's pretending to be human. Um, in fact, there's a whole entry in the, the Call of Cthulhu monster manual called the Shoggoth Lord, which has a way to disguise itself as human, which is basically a, a human suit that it sort of pours itself into. Uh, so if you shoot it, the Shoggoth pours out, you know. <laughs> but like otherwise, it looks like a big, you know, kind of a round kind of uh, dude. And um, just kind of like a rotund crime boss looking. Fellow. Yeah. And so this guy uh, is the, the players just are hired by him as his assistants. Uh, and he's like, I want to. He's just pretends that he's a rich, eccentric guy. I yeah. just want to back up. Yeah. So the players are hired. Yeah. By a rich, eccentric monster. But well, pretending to be human. Are you writing Tom's games for him? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. How much are you paying? Uh, like, yeah. I, I will write a game for Tom. <laughs> I can do that. No. Rich eccentric monster hires players to do things. Got uh, it. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, well, you see, that's the first thing. Is like I want to have the ideas. The players have to talk and deal with this guy who's weird. And eventually, like, and and so the halfway point of the scenario, my idea is that they find out at the halfway point that he's a monster, but they, but the monster is not hostile to them because he doesn't give a shit. Like, he's not afraid of them. If they if they do something bad to him, he'll just kill them. 
you know, or if they run away, he won't chase after him because, you know, he doesn't give a shit. Uh, he has his own goals. Um, but so the players could try to help him and make money off of it, but then he doesn't give a shit if they live or die. So it's kind of like the moth going too close to the flame. Um, I feel that, that that would be the central conflict. Uh, because the idea is I want the players to be they're desperate for work. They need the, the money. But do you work for a literal monster? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like that would be an interesting dynamic to, to approach uh, in a scenario. Uh, but I want to avoid these problems of you know, player engagement. I don't want to like, well, here's the one obvious thing to do. Then here's the next, here's the next thing. And, you know, I want to make sure everyone has a chance to make the scenario, you know, it's a collaborative process, uh, a, a game. So, uh, I don't know. What are your initial thoughts? I mean, that, that was good. And I kind of, now I'm kind of like, Oh God, do I even take that approach? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so what's the time period you think? I, I was just thinking modern just off the top of the head. Okay. So why does this monster need humans at all? Uh, so yeah, do stuff. For okay. Him? So the idea is he's pretending to be a rich eccentric millionaire, someone he, you know, he, Actually, uh, just ate the br- mind of a real millionaire and just assumed his ident- stole his identity okay. and his life. Um, and he and somehow the marriage got better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he stopped drinking. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> we sleep in separate beds anyway. Well, I don't see the problem. Um, oh, they're that they're that far down the wasp trail. <laughs> well, yeah, I would okay. imagine so. Um, if you're decadent enough to get eaten by a show, yes. <laughs> your marriage probably isn't doing great. <laughs> so um, here's what I'm thinking. It's like the Shalagath, for whatever reason, wants to ha- has taken this artifact uh, from Antarctica, from the Mountains of Madness, uh, and wants to expose it to people, humans. Like it – because he, he thinks – uh, perhaps maybe he just wants to uh, maybe he has some agenda where he wants to just subtly genetically alter the human species maybe he just wants to see what what happens uh, it won't do anything immediately apparent but <coughs> it will affect people in the long term and the shoggins are mortal so the long term could be 50 years it could be a thousand years but he wants two people to be like it will just look like this so, like hexagonal object but it'll be subtly like transmitting uh, you know, uh, essentially, be uh, essentially uh, releasing um, a bacteria, uh, microbes that will affect the people that are near it. So he's going to make that. In- so he figures the way you can do that is to disguise it as modern art. Uh, and so he wants to open a gallery and have an art exhibit, and the players are his assistants to make that happen. And he wants to make sure there's a lot of people who show up and see his art. Um, Okay, uh, and but he needs other normal human artists to make sure it's buzzworthy because he's not an artist. He just wants to make sure that there's this one exhibit that even might just be part of the decor. Uh, so as a scenario, it's not like your typical group of PC investigators. They're no. just like they're just well. That, that's the thing is like so rips and gallery managers. And well, that's the thing. Like he doesn't know. He and, knows something about. Like here's my idea is I, I and I haven't decided is that. I let the players make any type of character they want because in this economy they're all out of work and <laughs> they need a job. Mm-hmm. And he maybe well, assumes human intelligence or his memories, but he's still a shagath. He's like, you have all your limbs, you speak the same language, you look, uh, yeah, sure, okay, you sign, you applied for the job. I clearly you must want it, and, and you clearly must be qualified because why would you ask to do a job that you are not qualified to do? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. that makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So the players can make whatever characters they want. Um, and then, of course, the complication is a cult has figured out that he and they want to steal the artifact away from the Shoggoth. Um, like in a really bad cult, you know. Uh, I actually looked in a Call of Cthulhu source book. There's one called The Brotherhood of the Beast. And I'm, there's like one page written about him. I'm like, all right, yeah, those guys sound like assholes. So The Brotherhood of the Beast wants to steal the artifact away from the Shoggoth uh, during the gallery <laughs> open, opening. So... Um, so that's the essential premise. And then so like the scenario would be like the players were be given these little jobs to go out like, oh, go pick up the thing from the, the ship at the dockyards and uh, go or, convince this artist to submit art to the exhibit, even though the cult has already gotten to him and told him to stay away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to, you need publicity. You need to market it. Uh, there's another artist there who's going to have her paintings there that she'll be a big lure, but she's getting a little weird about this. So, you know, calm her down convince her. It's a good idea. Um, <laughs> so, uh, talking about player engagement. Yeah. Um, so you want them to just basically all be on board with the premise of you're basically, Cultists of a different color, like well, that's the thing. It's like maybe the uh, that's the, the scenario is the challenge is like okay, you you're put in an overhead, then you find out what happens. How do you react? So maybe they do sign on and become cultists, essentially working for the Shoggoth, trading their sanity for financial security, um, or maybe they like oh god, how could I have helped a monster? And then they try and stop the Shoggoth. From you know exposing all these innocent peoples to an artifact that does who knows what genetic damage to them, um, and he'll explain what he does, or like he'll explain part part of what it does, and he, if he keeps explaining it too much, okay, makes antics. Oh, you gain Cthulhu mythos. Oh, you lose sanity as you understand what it does. It's yeah. not great. Um, so that's the thing is I want to see how the players react to it, um, but they could become cultists, but they don't they don't start as cultists. Um, like they, they, they don't know anything. They think he's human at the beginning. They start as hired mooks from all walks of life that are going to somehow promote, maintain, and protect this art gallery. Yeah. Well, to my mind, most games that I've run online, um, they can really fall apart during the planning phase of things. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of had that in mind when I thought about the scam system and the negotiation system in red markets. Because uh, you can kind of herd the cats at a table with that kind of stuff, but yeah. if you're trying to do a heist or some sort of complicated plan or something, yeah. espionage online, I feel like it can get very much, let's all talk over each other, or let's all awkwardly say <laughs> nothing, or let's all, ah, ah, no, you go ahead. I got, I will, and then I cry. <laughs> uh, with my hand over my webcam, um, so no one can see the tears. Uh, so anyway, uh, the thing I would suggest would be they know he's a shogoth at the beginning of the scenario. I'd give you the advice that you've given me before, mm-hmm. which is start as late as possible. Okay. So be like, what's your character? What's your job? How do you work for this guy? Okay. All that kind of stuff, and then. Um, Maybe then if you need a vignette, you could flash back and do your super weird job interview. Or they could just narrate what super weird thing that uh, Mr. Goth was doing during the (laughs) job interview. But I think it should just start on the moment that they are all together and that they are all fated to choose the adventure. Um, uh, The moment that they cannot deny that their boss is, you know, 
their teachers from the Black Lagoon, uh, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the point where it's undeniable. They all know that this is the choice. Uh, do what Crazy Demon Boss says, <laughs> or try to subvert Crazy Demon Boss. Yeah, for a one-shot scenario, I think that'd be a very great. So I did have one idea: the the, the idea that the way they find out uh, that they're shot that the they're, my boss is a Shagath is uh, the cultists try to break in, or they send an assassin in early on, like the night or a night or two before the gallery opening, and um, the assassin they're all there. And the assassin has a gun, and he just shoots the boss in the chest. And then he, the boss just looks down, and then Shoggoth starts pouring out of his chest wound. And then it just sort of lurches across the room and eats the assassin. Uh, and Set it for, like, a congratulatory dinner party the eve before the yeah. gallery is scheduled to open. Okay. Or like the week before, so they have time that if they want to continue helping him, okay, there are things to do. It's like he's brought you together. He's going to feed you as a way to give thanks for everything that you have done. Yeah, he is strangely not eating anything himself. Assassins break in, shoot, splurch, knob, <laughs> splurch. Yeah, uh, sanity choice. Okay, all right. So yeah, so it's the opening thing is that choice. There, yeah. there it is. So that then it becomes two scenarios either. Help the demon boss or escape from the demon boss or try and stop the demon boss. I mean, it's like a, I don't know what you call it, uh, from, from a gaming perspective, like a, like a, like a pool cube break. It's yeah, like yeah. a break in a game of pool. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. if you start with the typical rich boss monster invites you into the office <laughs> and introduces you all and then gives you orders and yeah. then you go out and you do the thing. That's fine, but that means that the you're starting with exposition, you're uh, a lot of it, uh, and then you're also your players are first movers, and even though you've described the setting, they don't know what the setting is. So you have more exposition as they ask questions, planning. You can lose engagement. Whereas if you start with a very clear, you need to react to this moment, and then you want to open up that up to any reactions you can possibly have. Yeah. That's fine. So, like, the what I'm thinking of is the advice you gave me for a very thorough murder, <laughs> which was like, okay, don't let them play them and just have them do it. Yeah. Uh, and so we started the game with, okay, there's a real estate guy in town named Joe Bilby. Why would you like to see him die? Yeah. And everyone came up with a reason and character. It's like, okay, he's dead. <laughs> and they're like, what? And it's like, I just described it. They're all standing there. They're all covered in blood. He's crumpled up behind his desk. <laughs> Was there the microwave open? Game? Yes. Yeah. So uh, and he's like, "No, did you guys?" And so Aaron turns like, "Did you kill him? Did you kill him?" And like, uh, and, they're, and they're all just freaking out. So they all start blaming each other, <laughs> and then they start haphazardly trying to do, you know, cover up the crime, and it ends up going, you know, terribly. And then we keep playing through the game, and eventually we decide what happened that night. So you could you can go back and cover that stuff, but like. Just react. Okay. Uh, and it might also give the characters a cue on what to do. Like, if they see a Shogun roll out of the guy, the game starts immediately with a sanity check. Yeah. So if somebody takes an indefinite out the gate, <laughs> they may be like, oh, no, that's God now. <laughs> uh, I work for God. Uh, and they might go into that. Um, yeah. The problem with that would be is that might everyone might not decide to be on the same team. Yeah. You'd be in... Uh, dire straits so you might want to do some sort of 
psychological gambling with that is like, look, you might have a chance if you all cooperate, but if even one of you goes to boss and says, Cindy isn't on board with you being a terrible non-Euclidean monster, uh, you're going to die. Like, if he's proactive, surprise is all you have. Yeah. Uh, So you have to all be on one page whether you want to or not. Uh, So you can maybe try and force agreement that way. But, I mean, that's the problem. If you want it to be open and engaging, uh, that's the kind of thing. Uh, Or you could just say that, like... Or that becomes the driving conflict of the scenario, is how do the PCs decide? That could be the resolution of them making a decision as to who's going to decide what side you're going to go. Yeah. And is Team Shoggoth going to kill the one person that continues to dissent? Yeah, I think occultists is good. Uh, a cult is a good uh, foil, so that either way they choose. Yeah, I definitely didn't. I, I mean, I definitely did not want to do. The cult would be a complication yeah. uh, that they might have to. You know, if they don't sully themselves to working with the monster, they might sully themselves to working with a human cult. Yeah. To stop a monster, depending on what they figure is the biggest threat, or if they work for the monster, they might have to work you, with. Yeah. The uh, work against the cult. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you throw in some Delta Green Cowboys as well, a complication. Well, I, I, I thought about Delta Green, and so I have some ideas on that. And um, so, yeah, I thought <coughs> making it too easy to wear, like, aha, the, guy, the guys who talk about operas show up and, you know, aha, they've got PCs are just been, oh, yeah, please help us. Well, you, you know, that's too easy. i got to make it harder than that, right? No, yeah, obviously. Yeah. If, if Cowboys show up, it's like, oh, well, you have worked for this Shoggoth, so you are now a mythos vector in of yourself. <laughs> so if you run to Delta Green, Delta Green just shoots you in the head and doesn't deal with the complications. Well, I had a couple. Of, so one idea I had was that like it looks like the Cowboys show up and they're like, ah, oh, yes, we, we'll we'll take out the guys. Thank you, uh, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, and then it turns out those are just cultists uh, that are really professional. Uh, and the other. So that would be one idea. Uh, the other idea is that they go to the police and just no one believes them, you know, uh, and they get locked up for that. Uh, and then their boss bails them out. You know, what happened? <laughs> what do you do there? So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like, the more we talk about it, yeah. I think maybe they shouldn't have choice and maybe it should be you are a entry level cultist that is paid. Like, yeah. you don't have to worship him. He will just pay you. Yeah, uh, but how the Shogoth gets money is another interesting thing. Well, like I said, he stole the dude's identity. Uh, but yeah, uh, but like the more you talk about it, it seems fairly comic. Yeah, as a scenario, like yeah, I don't imagine yeah. a lot of genuine scares happening in this game. That's true. I mean, when it's like my boss is a Shogoth, <laughs> that's. I mean, you see, that's kind of where I am with scenario design right now is I'm designing not for even uh, per topic or or theme. I'm trying to think about ways to get players engaged. And so Mm -hmm. like whatever where all the players have a chance to contribute and participate uh, seems to interest me more than like a particular. uh, It it seems to be more important to me now than anything else. Like so I'm, I'm, I'm rewriting scenarios just to where players have more. Like, that's why I dropped the nautical angle, because, like, oh, they're on fucking boats. Like, they have to go from point A to point B. There's nothing else. Like, you can't run away from a fight on a boat. Like, you you, you just have to hope that you can kill the guy, because you, you don't have anywhere to go. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, and, and and that's a good point. I, I don't know, um, but I, because that's again the central idea was like you have to talk and deal with this monster. Um, so maybe the entire concept doesn't work. I mean, yeah, as a comic thing, as a fia- it is kind of a fiasco sort of situation almost. Uh, but how other scenarios can ha- involve like talking to something that could eat you, and you can't really. You're, it's way too powerful for you to kill, but it, it's hiding in plain sight. So. Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess a vampire type game, but then that has its own quarter, sort of genre conventions that I don't know if I want to deal with because, uh, you know, Chagas usually don't have mind control. They don't have that kind of spells where vampires uh, hypnotize you or something like that. All right. So, All right, so how about this? Yeah. Um, you work for the Shoggoth, but the yeah. Shoggoth doesn't have an agenda yet. So you work for the millionaire guy. Mm-hmm. Scenario starts with you get to see your boss get eaten, yeah, uh, by a endless creature of protoplasmic nightmare. Uh, the but boss was getting a little doughty in the head, so he got like language. He got some snippets of memory, uh, and you all understand the accounts. But Shugoth is now impersonating human form. But the only thing he understands about humanity is what he processed from this elderly billionaire guy. Mm-hmm. So Shogoth will eat you, uh, and he understands that you are employed because you are the help. But it's your job to teach Shogoth about humanity. So maybe the control and engagement the players have is by giving the Shogoth his agenda, uh, and then the comic error of that is them trying to sabotage the Shogoth because they can't actually kill it but they can make its agenda less nefarious than possible. So being it's kind of almost a better angels thing. Only it's like one <clears throat> demon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, so like, what are these metal things you <laughs> ride around it? They are our hearts, our souls. Yeah. To make us suffer. Yeah. Truly, kill one of those. In fact, <laughs> it's more cruel if the human is out and far away from them. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's. Uh, to, we would prefer to die with metal hearts. Yeah, uh, like you know. So it's very much about like right. trying to. The struggle will have like a vague idea of his pervert people through art history. Yeah, uh, persona. But maybe you can, you know, fuck up the art show. Uh, but if you fuck it up too good, and it's just like blank white paper that says art, maybe it'll actually be a hit. Yeah. And it'll be worse. Like, uh, So you kind of have to take the orders of the Shogoth while trying to uh, do your best to sabotage it and not die yeah. and, and, and not get killed by a cult or something like Because then, like, because if you're talking about player engagement, in the previous thing, Shogoth is going to do this, you're going to do it or you're going to die stopping him. Shogoth has the agenda, and that's not going to change, uh, which is more Lovecraftian. But like, I don't know. My well, the Shogoth can't my be stopped. Like, you undercover Shogoth is uh, <laughs> not <laughs> not the most Lovecraftian CBS. scenario in the first place. So I would go for like the more comedic angle, and I think it's more funny if you have a chance to shape the Shogoth's agenda. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. Uh, I was just going to say it does bring up the comedic angle. Um, and, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, how do you make a serious horror game with this kind of idea around it uh, about interacting with a monster without it killing you or you killing it? Um, 
where I think that's it you turn it into a port personal horror of how far are you going to go yeah i mean that's the thing i think it could be a serious game depending on how the shagath reacted like if it was um acting like um oh was it um uh, uh ben kingsley in sexy beast uh <laughs> like a very unstable sort of violent unpredictable you know have you you've seen that movie yeah right? yeah uh, have you seen that, Dan? I have not. Uh, he is a... Oof. Ben Kingsley proves that he is a good actor. <laughs> he is a good actor by playing a very unstable, violent per- person. And he everyone just is... just to sell out. Like, yeah. he's done so many horrible movies. He has done some horrible movies. Okay. But, uh, like, yeah, Shuggas don't care, though. Like, but that's the thing. It, well, the, the, To be that passionate about... Well, if it absorbs... Ray it, Park. It's, it absorbs someone's memories. It's trying to imitate it. It's trying to process it. Uh, so, and then that's the thing. It's like, it's a Shoggoth, but I'm not like a Lovecraftian 100% purist. It's yeah. my Shoggoth. So maybe this Shoggoth does have, give a shit. Maybe it or is. Or maybe more. this Shoggoth's exposure to the artifact is yeah. making it that much more unstable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is a, a hybrid or a different type of Shoggoth. So, like, yeah. I mean. No, I think the Shoggoth being inside a human body that's being slowly tweaked by this artifact that he wants to use okay. to genetically manipulate others. So you have this Shoggoth that now has to perceive things as a human does. Okay. And needs the PCs to help him make sense of his new reality. Oh, that's an interesting thing. Uh, so maybe it's not break, you know, uh, destroy the car. That's really terrible. It's like. Uh yeah, we're in three dimensions. I don't. You <laughs> stop looking at me when I'm a hundred thousand. I'm not a corpse. <laughs> I'm talking to you, uh, and that could get dark too. Because I think I think there is a horror uh, angle, and that is sort of the theme would be like dealing with someone who is manipulative and abusive, but you still need them. You know, like uh, how do you justify staying near someone who is causing so much damage, uh, even though you and including possibly yourself. Just because you can benefit, you know. Okay, uh, if you want to make it legitimately horrific. Yeah. Uh, so. Do you bring him? I mean, you like, want to show Shogath around town because Shogath has an agenda. Yeah. Um, and Shogath can eat town. Yeah. So you can't stop it. Uh, your your job's to show it ta- around town. But then uh, the, the horror is one of alienation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, psychological horror. And. In this case, class. If you want millionaire Shoggoth, so like, yeah. uh, it's like show me where people live. So you take it to your house. It's like, what is this one? It's like, yeah. uh, that is my son. <laughs> uh, what does it do? What is his purpose? It's yeah. Like, uh, well, I, it's I love him. It's, you know, my wife and I had him. Like, had like, what did you take him? It's like, no, we we made him from. Oh, and then he eats your kid. Yeah, and then you're like, ah. Now I have your son. And he's like, make another one. Uh, (laughs) And he's like, I can't do that. And and then he's like, oh, sorry. And then he makes it for you. Yeah. And then your son's (laughs) back. And then you're just. So the game is, the game is be careful what you say to Papa Shogoth. Yeah. Because it doesn't understand the world, but at the same time, if you crack. Yeah. And stop showing it around. It will just it stops the value of things. It'll it'll find its own amusement. So yeah, it 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 becomes a sanity game if you want to go hardcore horror. Maybe yeah, like you need to give the Shogoth its agenda or give it its walking tour yeah. uh, or do what the Shogoth wants. Yeah, so like yeah, uh, but you need to hold yourself together because it will always be terrible and nightmarish for you. Uh, and the second you crack and 
try and go COC investigator and put some dynamite in your teeth, <laughs> it's it's over for the entire city. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing that I wanted to make it unpredictable. Like, it has the agenda, but, like, that's being generous. Like, it, 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 it reacts, it, it will react differently. Like, I, I one idea I had for an early scene was, like, uh, it gives the player a gun and says, uh, there are cultists across the street in the car. Go kill them. Uh, it's the middle of daylight. I can't do that. Oh, you need additional money. How much do you need? Uh, <laughs> well, if I kill them, the cops will come. Well, yes, they'll arrest you. They won't come here if you're across the street. So <laughs> how much money will you need to go to jail? You know, And just trying to explain to Shagat you can't murder people in broad daylight. <laughs> uh, and that kind of thing. So like, I feel uh, that... Th- so there is some horror potential. I mean, you just described a horrific scene. Like, um, So it, it just kind of depends on how the, on, on how the Shagat reacts. Um, so, but yeah, that. But that, do you want to play it any one way or the other? Because like, um, I'm all for player engagement too. But like, yeah, my personal opinion would be that I'm not sure you can entirely plan a game around that. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it would. Be, I want you to play the game at the game. Yeah, and I'm like, well, then let's go GMless because yeah, what do I need to do here? Like, I think it needs to be a game you kind of want to run to. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm more of an ogre about that. Less yeah. sandboxy than other people. Else. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's like I've run pretty much most of Dresden by doing it very much as the GM's acting as the repertoire of knowledge for the setting. Yeah, and providing reactions to the players' choices and forcing the players to deal with the escalation of their own choices. Yeah, I mean, in the, in terms of this scenario, this is here the character, here's the environment, and here's what the given to- general timeline will be, unless the players act yeah, to but, change it but this is a that's a campaign though right yeah. so that stuff builds up as a one shot if you don't have a focus the focus is humor mm-hmm. yeah that's gonna i mean am i wrong in saying that that's my default mode i've never played a one shot where it was just like i don't know you're here what do you guys <laughs> want to do that ended up being you know yeah shakespearean tragedy <laughs> well, uh, just, well then that's why we're workshopping this because yeah, this yeah. isn't yeah. something we do yeah yeah but that's the kind of thing. I, I, I think you should probably decide before yeah, yeah. you run the game whether you want it to be oh, yeah, yeah. horrific. I was thinking about focusing more on horror by making by emphasizing his, his its monstrous nature. It is unpredictable. And you know and so like the players have to hope just walk around it and hope that they, they, they don't get eaten, uh, literally or metaphorically, you know, uh whether their souls are, are swallowed up. Uh, but there has to be weaknesses. Like the Shagath isn't isn't is not a god. It's not a great old one, so it can be defeated. Uh, so like, what kind of we like the cultists? Obviously, would have know some way of defeating or weakening or banishing the Shagath. But then you have to deal with the cultists. I figure there should be at least one other way. Either the Shagath has some grimoire it ignores. You know, it's eaten investigators in the past and it's accumulated a lot of st- stuff. Or there's some. Uh, I was actually thinking like the artist is someone who's actually had psychic dreams, like someone who's affected by Cthulhu's dreams. And, you know, she has mythos aware art. Uh, and that's why the Shagath hired her to, or made her part of the exhibit. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, I recognize that. I've been there. Uh, I saw it <laughs> in my dreams. Uh, how could you do that? This is my dreams. Uh, I never. grew up there. Yeah. I, I was manufactured there. Uh, and then I ate my master. Um, so, 
I was thinking perhaps some sort of symbolic way that her art could be used to uh, defeat the Shoggoth, but I'm not sure how that the mechanics of that would work. Uh, because like that would be a running subplot, keeping the artist sane enough that she can be presented at the gallery opening without her slitting her, you know, killing herself or killing one of the, you know, the art critic. Uh, at the gallery opening or something like that. So yeah, if he wants to see the MacGuffin in action, maybe one of the things you could do to stop him from doing that and get it to go away is just find the one cultist high priest or something that knows what's going to happen when the artifact is exposed Okay, and feed that guy to the Shogoth. Mm-hmm. Then the show knows and has no reason to be there and gets to go. Oh, that's a good way, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but the Shogoth doesn't know where he's at. So the players, one player would have to go and try and figure that out, or yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah. While the others try and keep the shagath happy, or you know, distracted, <laughs> you know, not eating. But I think, yeah, yeah, I think if you want to make it hor- horrific, the basic premise needs to be: I will eat you and everyone, yeah, until I find the person who knows what happens. Yeah, you will arrange an art viewing for me so I can see it happen. In which case, he's still going to be asking questions about humanity, or find me the one person that doesn't happen so basically you're you are a cultist you are worshiping a shogoth but you're doing it for the greater good yeah not not to be the first to die just to be uh, the longer we keep shogoth distracted the longer we have a chance to survive yeah or at very least you know we prolong the inevitable maybe um and then from there they can try and warn people they can try and get help they can go with the shogoth they can you know they can Arrange the gallery viewing. They could try and find the cult disguise. Oh, that's how you reveal the Shagoth's nature. Yeah. It's not that a cultist assassinates and he oozes out. Yeah. It's that uh, the PCs witness someone having to deal with their own failure in front of the Shagoth. Okay. And he's just like, oh, you are actually trying to sell me out to a rival. Nom. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty horrific. Uh, and or it's just like, oh, you you decided you didn't want to work for me. Well, I can't really have you telling everyone about me. Yeah, um, yeah. Arya or the Shargoth just invites five random employees in. Yeah, to see the last guy die. I mean, like they didn't work out. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, no one I wanted no. to stress to you how important your job is. For me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no one will believe you if you tell anyone. I'll find you. Uh, nothing can stop me. Uh, so yeah, that 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 gives me some some thought. So maybe or maybe like they're interviewed not by the the Shagath, they're hired out by the Latin, the manager who's like, you need to stop it, you need to stop it, and then uh, he tries to warn them about it, uh, and then he is eaten. Uh, He's eaten for trying to corrupt the yeah, new employees. Yeah. yeah, don't listen or, to uh, Or billionaire guy takes you to the gallery one day, and then the Shogoth comes in and kills absolutely everyone. Yeah. And, like, so it starts with a massacre of 10, 20, 30, 40 people. Uh... And then it stops before it eats just them as it's like encroaching in on all sides. Yeah. Because it ate someone who realized, it ate enough people to realize they're like, oh, humans don't all know the same thing. Yeah. They have specialized sets of knowledge and this isn't helping. (laughs) Uh, So then it becomes their boss and changed its tactics. Uh, So basically they're there at the start when it's going to eat the whole city to figure out what its new toy does. Uh, but then it's like, oh, maybe I should adjust. Uh, so it stops. So the 
the five people are like the sole survivors of a Roanoke level disappearance at the start, but they know it's going to spread through the streets blob style if they don't do what this thing says and do its legwork for them. Yeah. I like uh, so that. then it doesn't start with so they're more or less taken hostage. Yeah. So so then it doesn't start with the I'm sorry, frankly absurd conceit of my <laughs> boss is a Shogoth or undercover Shogoth. Yeah. Or uh, I still I like the absurdity of that. Or our kitchen Shogoth confessions. <laughs> or I don't know every reality TV show cake Shogoth cake Shogoth. Uh, Every reality, yeah. Storage, the frankly okay. absurd premise. It doesn't start with that. Bosses make you go to this gallery. Oh, fancy folks are out. Oh, is that a crack in a window? Sandloss screaming, <laughs> death for everyone. Combat as everyone tries to leave. Uh, eyes and mouths devouring flesh. And then, like, the light dimming. You're all down. Everyone's like, what the fuck? We're dead already. And then it all solidifies into your boss. <laughs> Uh, Phantom style. Yeah, it's like, oh, that that wasn't going to work anyway. <laughs> you will do this now. Uh, we have rebuilding to do. Yeah. Uh, then you carefully explain that I have this object. I need to see what it does. You need yeah. to help show me what it does uh, via your scientific method, which I've just learned about. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I will just eat the city until someone knows what it does. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, so yeah, no, I let me. Yeah, maybe yeah. They're they're being held hostage, so it's like a case of like, do you develop Stockholm syndrome for a monster uh, or not? So uh, yeah, I think that would make it more yeah. horrific, horrific than you know, yeah. Daddy Shagoth. <laughs> uh, all right, fair <laughs> enough, Dan. Any other thoughts? Uh, I I still think that the ridiculous premise has its place. Yeah, in a game, I, um, I do too. I just think you need to lean into it. Though. Yeah, like I don't like, think if you expect me to be scared or moody. Yeah, with that premise, it's not going to work. If you expect me to have fun and do a bunch of ridiculous shit. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. you plan it to be comedic. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. All but right. I, yeah, for a one shot scenario, I do think that the personal horror angle is a good way to go. I also think this would be an amazingly longer sh- like. Short campaign or series like three of or three to six sessions, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where you can showcase that, and that's where you realize it's like, oh well, Boss Shagath had a group of people that was doing this, but then they just couldn't handle the pressure anymore. Yeah. So I learned that when people quit or leave or get hospitalized for an indeterminate amount of time, you replace them. So that's why <laughs> you're here. Yeah. Right. I need you to finish what the other. People right. were too are now too insane to complete. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, you basically need to take the unkillable Mary Sue job giver character. Yeah. Uh, and you need to take it to its horrific extreme. And yeah, a hostage taker. Yeah. Yeah, it needs to be abusive and yeah. manipulative. No, that was always from the beginning. Is that it was abusive and manipulative, and like the question is how close how how do you try and manipulate it back do you you try do you let it do you throw other people under the uh, under the shock like maybe it eats uh maybe you have all the pcs say you know who they're bringing with them or who their best friend of work is and like yeah maybe if it, they piss him off he like turns into them yeah or uh or makes them and eats them again like and like just just all oh, just nightmare fuel it as much as possible yeah uh, until they do what they want. So yeah, um, 
Yeah, but I, I definitely don't want to make it a Mary Sue either. So, like, I would give the Shagath. Like, it would be a unique Shagath. It would be more intelligent than usual and have um, <laughs> some limited spell. I mean, they, they can have spell casting by default. Uh, but, like, I wanted to give it specific disadvantages. So, um, that would be because the key is like the plea, like the investigation is like figuring out what clues of like what things the Shagath is vulnerable to. Well, so, maybe that's one last. So, choice. like one thing, yeah, it wants if you give it the cultist, the head cultist, it will just leave because it gets what it wants. But like maybe there's some sort of kryptonite or you know silver or holy. So water maybe water. if they do the experiment, if they have the right role, yeah. they learn something about the device that could destroy the creature. So it's a matter of doing that before the creature takes the device and goes back into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, and then maybe if they decide to feed the shaman or whoever knows what it's going to do to the creature, the shaman's last-ditch effort is, I know how to kill it. Yeah. So it's help the shaman kill it Yeah. or, or something like that. Or maybe it's when the cult comes, it's, it's either fight the cult or uh, try to escape and hope the cult can kill it and wipe your hands of it. Uh, so either way, there could be like a last minute choice point to be, you know, be a big damn hero. Yeah. Or again, the artifact itself is what makes the Shoggoth vulnerable is that in this time that you're setting up the experiment, the Shoggoth is being exposed to the same radiation trying to fill this human meat suit. Yeah. And so it's slowly becoming more human ish, but it's not going to tell you that. Okay. There. Yeah. All right. So, Yeah. Um, I still want to do something with the art. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe uh, there'd be some sort of, like, it's strangely obsessed or it has some sort of unusual tick uh, around the artwork. Uh, what if it gets a weird sort of... Uh, and that, that verbal tick indicates that certain thematic elements in those artwork uh, are essentially sigils against it, essentially elder signs or something that will, like, ward it off or cause it to retreat. I kind of want the Shagat to have like an unhealthy stalker obsession with the artist that would border on the Shagoth equivalent of love. Okay, that could be that would be more for a campaign. Yeah, so, uh, but I just that's an yeah. idea out there. Yeah. So why do you want to put the art in it? Um, well, because as a as a ongoing thing for the characters having to do. Um, and have more than one NPC that the players have to talk to who may be aware of the... Who may, you know, like the idea is that she... I mean, it, it would be more for a ga- to help run the game rather as an essential story element, um, to be honest. Uh, like as, you know, hey, you need to take care of her. You make sure that she's happy. Oh, she can give out exposition. She knows she's been painting all these things. Um, like she's been subconsciously dreaming of the same kind of stuff that the Shoggoth is aware of, like the Mounds of Madness, the Elder things, and that kind of stuff. And so she's painting, essentially, the Shoggoth's past. Um, and so that would be actually a thematic way of like figuring out what this thing is. So um, that, and that would explain why the Shoggoth is, is interested in her. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also... Yeah. And also, like, how do you have an art... Get, the Shoggoth isn't going to paint. Like, it has the artifact. It just, you know drew it up there but like it would need someone to have you know have an actual artist there in order to get a gallery exhibit it can pretend to be one crazy person one rich eccentric person you know kind of it can't it can't it can't imitate two people you know that that's giving it a little too much it's supposed to be really alien and weird um so that those are my reasons for it so um, I don't know. I mean, do you think that it's absolutely necessary? I mean, the exposure yeah. plane could just as easily be like 
you just paint it red, write the word stop on it, and affix it to a post. <laughs> and yeah. Modern art. Yay. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wasn't saying, like, because art's generally bad, but, like, you were talking about I only want to – I want to design it around giving the players a maximum amount of yeah. choice and freedom and keep them engaged. Right. And I didn't know, like, well, if well, I want to give them some we way to make it art, and we want to make it horror. Are we really just designing around that, or do we have other intentions? Okay, that's you true. know what I mean. Yeah, like if it needs well, to have art, it needs to have horror, it needs to have this. It needs well, to the have art that. is also a way the players could have an advantage to gain some sort of advantage over the shogun that doesn't rely on going to the cultists. Yeah, yeah. So like, they had they have to have some sort of independent way of being able to confront if not fight. Well, it's a good way to get a lot of people looking at one thing. And if yeah. the MacGuffin needs to be looked at in close proximity yeah. by a bunch of humans. Yeah. That's like a no-brainer to include. Yeah, yeah. So, I and also, yeah, mythos and art, it just kind of went along. So, um, that was the idea uh, with all that. So, that was my reasoning. So, um, But uh, it's given me a lot to think about. So, I certainly like, I mean, for, thinking of it more as a hostage taker than as a boss uh, is certainly really productive. Bosses so. are hostage takers. <laughs> Thanks. No one comes to rescue you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thanks, Obama, or <laughs> capitalism, or uh, thanks, capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, capitalism. Uh, deep thoughts here. Uh, so uh, when we get back, uh, we will have uh, shoutouts and anecdotes from uh, Fallen Flag, uh, our, the Red Marks campaign. I'm running. Uh, <laughs> woo. So, um, anyways, uh, we have quite a few uh, shout-outs, uh, so let's just get into them. Uh, first off, I want to mention the Delta Green Quick Start Guide, uh, which is out now on PDF for freezies. Uh, for free. Uh, it has all the co- all rules you need to run or to create characters for the new Delta Green uh, role-playing game, uh, making characters... Uh, running combat and uh, basic skill checks stuff like that has a uh, starter in a scenario as well uh, it's fully laid out um, and it looks really neat and uh, I think you guys should check it out uh, I know we like all the Delta Green RPG here so yeah <laughs> pretty obvious <laughs> um, it is a very pretty pretty couple pages yes they made every page oh and really it's open game license too or the core rules are yeah uh, so character creations combat that kind of stuff that's open game license so ooh. Uh, caleb you had a game you were talking about uh yeah so on the recommendation of some rppr fans i started playing lisa yeah uh, i've seen it on steam as well i've thought about and, getting it myself um it's called lisa painful rpg i think <laughs> uh so I have no idea why people would recommend this to you, Caleb. Well, I don't really either. <laughs> uh, but I'm not the first to make the comparison, but it's very apt. It is one of the Earthbound yeah. uh, clones that are coming out lately, so it's very meta. It has lots of jokes built in there. Uh, Lucas dies on top of an ambulance with a machete at his back, uh, or a sprite looking very much like Lucas. Um, yes, the, there's uh, lots of references in it and things like that. Uh, but, I mean, the Steam description I've read of it 
while it was no doubt by some MRA guy who went on to talk about why it was the superior game, he said uh, Undertale is Tumblr plus Earthbound. Lisa is Fist of the North Star <laughs> plus Earthbound. <laughs> and he went on to say that that's infinitely better, which I don't think is true. I, but I was going to say, I don't... But it is definitely Fist of the North Star plus Earthbound. <laughs> um, you play a drug-addicted, formerly abused child grown into a man uh, that is former karate instructor. Nice. In an apocalypse in which all the women on Earth have died. Uh, and you find a female infant child. And then eventually she gets kidnapped one day and you go on a quest to find her. So there's nothing but dudes. Uh, porno mags are the new currency. Everyone's insane or Cronenberged or uh, <laughs> and it's like you're so addicted to drugs that you like can only get buffs while on drugs if you're on withdrawal you're not and all of your companions are equally utterly fucking insane or like ridiculous like uh, I think my favorite was uh, Terry Hintz uh, the Hint Master so the tutorial guy can join your party <laughs> Uh, and all he can do is give you advice and buff your stats <laughs> <laughs> by giving you advice in the party. Uh, and it's a very... But you're basically trying to save the last girl on Earth, the planet from being like murdered to death by these yeah. psycho rapist monsters. But it's all done on like cute boop, 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 like sprite <laughs> art. And it... So that she can grow up to become the... Brood sow of the new human race? I guess. I haven't finished it yet. It's slow going. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, but it does not take its premise seriously, thank God. Uh, but it is uh, very, very dark humor, which I could see why people think <laughs> I would enjoy. Uh, but it is interesting. I have not played a game like it. I think it is somewhat missed upon me because much like... Um, much like Undertale, I was not an original Earthbound fan. Yeah. Uh, I will say I like the gameplay in Lisa Bird and Undertale just because I am terrible at bullet hell. So I think the Undertale uh, game mechanic is far more interesting than Lisa uh, and more original because uh, Lisa's full turn-based combat. Uh, but I am awful at Undertale because <laughs> I am awful at bullet hell. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting if you liked Undertale, I can't recommend Lisa other than that the basic gameplay structures right. are the same. Because I'm going to go ahead and bet that the same reasons you like Undertale aren't what's going to draw you to Lisa. Fair enough. Uh, but it's, it was interesting. Uh, and it's a it's interesting to see apocalyptic setting that's just done for, for jokes and ridiculousness. Right. But then will not shy away from like really hardcore emotional subject matter later because yeah. they will have all these moments of dark humor and then you'll have a flashback to uh, the protagonist's abusive father uh, and it's just like dark and real and holy shit yeah uh, and then it goes back to you know yeah, yeah. you know wackety smackety do Cronenberg's yeah yeah no. running through the wasteland on uh, bicycles like so yeah 
That was uh, that's Lisa. I'll have to check that out. Um, I still haven't played Undertale yet. I haven't. I need to play it. I didn't uh, realize they were all being Earthbound clones. I really enjoyed playing Earthbound. Well, then you should probably get uh, Undertale or Lisa or both. Uh, Lisa was actually inspired by the last boss of Undertale. That uh, not not Undertale. The last boss of Earthbound. If that tells you. Oh, Gygax or yeah, not yeah. Gygax, uh, <laughs> Gigius or whatever. Yeah. So uh, yeah. It tells you about the game's themes. Oh God, giant brain. <laughs> uh, Dan, you you you've just had a show that you wanted to talk about because I, I don't you... know if I wanted to talk about it. It's a show that I'm watching because when you're trying to do when you're trying to mine research material for a campaign that you're running just to get ideas on themes and plots and yeah. stuff, you when you're doing supernatural modern fantasy. It you you there's there's really not a huge market for that really, and so I've been watching True Blood and not entirely proud of it. So is your answer for every scene, and then everyone fucked. <laughs> I really don't want Dresden no. to turn into that, no. but you know when they're not fucking, they're actually trying to deal with some interesting things and concepts, and mm. there's a lot of personal horror involved in people making choices in this new reality that they live in, but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is anybody in a relationship with a girl from an inbred were panther family? <laughs> actual plot line. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna keep saying actual plot lines for the show. There's were panthers. Yes, there's an inbred junkyard living were panther family. Is he named Karkov? No, no. He, but he is a manther. <laughs> yes, there's more than one. Yes, yes. Yeah. and they yeah. one's named Luther. Nice. Uh, I'm tempted to watch this now. <laughs> it's a terrible show it, that is hilarious to watch. Nice. That's pretty much the dialogue for one of the scenes, I think. Uh, so, uh, speaking of going back to games, though, uh, there's a game I played recently, Beat. Uh, it's, it's on PC, but also on PS4, so you might want to check this out. Uh, well, both of you are for PC or PS4. Uh, Layers of Fear. Um, and it's a horror game where you are a tortured artist um, who is trying to finish one last masterpiece. And the thing is, he locks himself into his house uh, at night, a very British mansion kind of place. And he just... it You, you open the door. It, it, the house changes around you. Uh, and it's very much architectural horror. Things get weirder and weirder and uh, it's it, there are puzzles in it, so it's not quite just a walking simulator where there's no challenge whatsoever. There are some puzzles and things you have to solve to get through it. So it's like Mist, a little like Mist, yeah, but like really creepy. Like there are some legit jump scares, and uh, it's not very gory. Like it, it a lot of it involves just tricking your perspective. Like it does some really clever things where you just turn just a little bit. And when you look back, it's, the entire room has changed. Um, it does a lot of different really creepy things. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there have been a couple times. I was like, God, oh, fuck. I have to go in that room. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's got great sound. Um, it's, it, it is fairly short. Uh, so, um, and it's, I think it's $20. I don't know if you want to get it right away, but. Uh, if you like, it's a beautiful looking game, and it's very creepy, very uh, unique. I feel uh, they put a lot of craftsmanship into it, so I really liked it. So, um, 
And then one other game that I've also uh, beaten, Saints Row 4, uh, which Caleb oh, is shaking. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it's actually relatively short for a GTA-type sandbox game. So, and I will defend this to Caleb because I know Caleb thinks they're all trash, the game series. But uh, I don't blame him. You're <laughs> to convince both of us, Ross. Uh, so in Saints Row 4. They've gotten better as they've gotten. Yeah more ridiculous they are more ridiculous it is so totally ridiculous um so yeah so your character is the president of the united states when it starts out i've actually played this one. Oh, you have you what? been this one all right I, I, I rented it for a day okay um what yeah so you're the president of the united states keith david uh is your vice president the the actor well yeah he voices obviously himself. it's obvious why i'm not president anymore yeah. then yeah, <laughs> if Keith David was my vice president, obviously mm-hmm. he's the better choice. <laughs> uh, and then aliens invade. Uh, they start taking everybody. What? Yep. Uh, and they take you, and then they blow up the Earth. Uh, except for the people that are they, they, all the people that are taken by the aliens are put in a matrix simulation of the same city that was in Saints Row Three. Uh, but you hack, you 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 break out, and you get a matrix type uh, escape ship. Uh, and you and your crew uh, hack into fight like <laughs> the Matrix. Uh, but what I love, and so you hack, which it, is what got me to play it for one day. Yeah, uh, you give yourself super. It's a logical conclusion to any GTA type game. Like you want to ha- play those games so you can be be a tiny, imp- you know, angry god uh, <laughs> and petty, incredibly petty god. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this gives you that justification where you can just destroy. Where you everything. torment the rest of the humanity survivors who are forced to live in a simulscape pretty much uh but that's getting back at the aliens well no you're fighting you're fighting the aliens if you can take over the simulation you can take over their ship and defeat them so uh and ideally the aliens are in the simulation too so uh because the uh, yeah, the alien emperor is essentially an Earth weeaboo, uh, Earth fanboy. He quotes Shakespeare and loves Earth culture, even though he blew up the planet. Uh, so, yeah, it makes no sense. And it's aware of this because the entire game is just metagame commentary uh, to where they will point out the ridiculousness of the, its own plot to you. Uh, and <laughs> yep. what I love is... Uh, Very much breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, no, it just stomps all over it. It's great. <laughs> Does it break the fourth wall in the midst of a fourth wall break? <laughs> a couple times, actually, yes. Like there are times where the game will look like it's crashing, and it's just like the Matrix, the simulation, fucking with you. Or it switches like to a different <coughs> type of game, to where you have to play like a Streets of Fire or not uh, um, Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage type uh, side scroller. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, my favorite element, which I feel is actually could be an Eclipse phase kind of a scenario starter is uh, at one point in order to break out your friends you, they're each put in a personal hell where uh, they have to face their worst enemies from the past and the thing is those worst enemies have become simulations of themselves with their own intelligence and their own like free will to where the point where you can recruit those virtual dead enemies from the past Saints Row games as your allies in the game and they will talk to you and each other uh, so, so like uh, I imagine a close phase game where you're all resurrected as forks of dead enemies of one other person or something like that, or you have to deal with uh, simulated forks of those other uh, enemies. I, I just love that idea of like 
there are two enemies at one point in the game. They'll talk to each other like, oh, yeah, well, when the Saints uh, defeated me, they just let me go. What? That's bullshit. They shot me in the fucking head, you know? Uh, and so there and see at that point, that's where I got off because they yeah. wanted me to start caring about who the hell Johnny Gat was. Yeah. And there was lore. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just killed a pterodactyl with a dildo bat. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. This isn't <laughs> Skyrim. I'm not going to go around reading all the books. Or... Uh, well, congratulations. Oh, and they recreate they, the, the They Live fight between Keith David and Roddy Piper, who is a voice actor in the game. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, I watched that on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and you can. And Roddy Piper doesn't know if he's a simulation or the real Roddy Piper who's just trapped in a tube somewhere <laughs> being forced in the simulation. So, uh, congratulations, Ross. You have thoroughly convinced me to never want to play this game. <laughs> you didn't want to play it at the beginning. I was, yeah. I, no, I I was hesitant about whether or not to play before. Yeah. Now I'm thoroughly convinced. I have a, I have a AAA game that's also pretty interesting. Yeah. Um. So I I got Far Cry Primal. Oh yeah. Um. So that's the game set in 10,000 BC. Uh, if you know anything about history, anthropology, or sociology, don't. Don't focus too much on that. Uh, so you're a caveman. So yeah. the most interesting <laughs> thing I find about Far Cry Primal is that it is a Far Cry game. In that, you have a knife. Takedowns are the best way to kill people. After that, you use the bow. And you almost never touch your guns. And then you just drive around and run around in the yeah, forest. There are the guns. Uh, but there are no guns. That's yeah. it. But it's really... I'm not playing Far Cry any differently than I ever have before. You have to kill animals to build pouches. Only this time it makes sense. Because you're not like some waspy kid on vacation on an island you actually are a cave person uh and it's alarming because it's one of the most brazen moves i've ever seen a video game company do because it's really a reskin of far cry 4 it's the exact map of far cry 4 seriously yes i played far cry 4. they just I took mean, out all the buildings yeah and uh changed, with trees change the tree uh textures and stuff like that and change the animals uh you can ride the animals like certain animals move as fast as a car would uh, and, and that's pretty but I, I think it's interesting because it's so brazen but it's also at the same time at, by being mo- one of the most cynical moves I've ever seen uh, a company ever do kind of refreshing because you're playing the exact same mechanics of Far Cry like you pop your knuckles back when you want to heal or you rip an arrow out or you're eating something to heal your health uh, you're trying to overtake outposts. You're trying to do. All, you're trying to craft stuff. You're running around. Um, exact thing of a Far Cry game, and they've they actually got a linguist, so the whole thing's in subtitles. So the whole thing is in a pre uh, pre recorded language. Right. So the whole thing is subtitled, and it actually sounds consistent. They got very good voice actors to do it, but they did the voice actors in these very short cutscenes that are from a game design perspective totally interesting because they're pure archetype no dressing like and who's the who is the guy in uh, far cry 4 the ace or whatever is the uh, protagonist AJ. Yeah. yeah aj and it's like we need to help the rebels over here so they can get this and they need these funding to get to the yeah. refugee camp or else we can't do that it's like and in this one it's just like Udem kill our hunter. Go kill Udem for us. Or thing not here. Find thing. And like, it's just everything is pure. Fetch, kill, 
take over, fetch, kill, collect. <laughs> like, it's just pure archetypal thing. And you realize that that's all you do in every video game. Yeah. It's like three or four lines of fluff that makes the plot something that has a narrative. And this is very much just like, ooh, them bad. Murder bad. You murder bad? Good! Uh, and like, you're just playing the exact same game and it's so insulting and dumbed down to you. But at the same time, it's not a military shooter. You're not running down a hallway. You're not shooting brown people. Well, some of them are brown. Yeah. This is a rainbow coalition of cannibal people that you can kill. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's a different setting. And so it's the exact same thing, stripped of literally everything that you thought would make it. But it's just like not, oh, I'm not killing Russians again for some reason. So. Right. Rainbow Thank coalition of cannibal people sounds like a great high school scout. <laughs> um <laughs> It does. It really does. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to mention two other quick games, uh, video games. Uh, one is Knee Deep, uh, which is an adventure game uh, set in Florida where uh, three different characters investigate the death of an actor in a low-budget movie that's being made in a small Florida town. Uh, I talked to the people at PAX South. Uh, I got a review oh, I code to for play it. that. I heard about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron will be reviewing it for Raillery. Uh, and so we'll have some video of that hopefully soon. Um, and then Gergamoth, which is a local co-op multiplayer game. I also got a review code for, uh, and we'll hopefully get some really footage of that soon where you're all playing four little gods, uh, trying to murder each other, uh, with, uh, physics, uh, essentially, you know, uh, like you do in most co-op games, uh, local couch co-op, you know, it's yeah. all local. Um, and then finally, uh, a book that I read, uh, called Populux. Uh, slight change of pace. Uh, it's a nonfiction book about the uh, basically what we would characterize as the Fallout style. Uh, this is the post World War II, not just immediately after World War II, but like from like the l- very late forties. Uh, it, it's most typified in the mid fifties up until the early sixties, where you have cars had tail fins, boomerang shapes were everywhere. Uh, you know uh, that that kind of style. Um, and it explains it in everything from cars to uh, furniture to uh, appliances and all this other stuff. And it explains why it came to be this way, why, why the style was. And it's very interesting to read a book on the history of a design era and architecture, of course. Um, and it explains why this design became popular uh, why this kind of this aesthetic became popular. And uh, it's very interesting to read a, a history of s- a style. Uh, so if you're interested in that period, it's a very complex th- topic of why it came to be, and a lot of different factors came into it. Like what? It's about the rise of suburbia for one reason. Why suburbia was so popular? Why we all had to flee the cities? Um, and um, one thing I, for example, one thing I found fascinating. And I've told Caleb this before, but like uh, the reason why cars got tail fins. Uh, you know those that you you know the the 1950s stereotypical Cadillac with the massive tail fins. Mm-hmm. Um, those became popular because one particular designer worked on the P thirty eight Lightning uh, fighter uh, plane in on World War Two. He's like, that looks awesome. And then after World War Two, he's like, we need to sell cars. I know, I'll put those tail fins I saw. I'll make a car look like a P thirty eight. And guess what? It worked really well. Uh, and then coincidentally enough, I read. Another book uh, a while ago about the history of SUVs and why and the, the the guy who made the first designs for SUVs or 
uh, popularized the idea of SUVs uh, was this French guy who was a child in World War II, and one of his most uh, dominant impressions of it was the American tank rolling in uh, and liberating it. And so he's like, oh, well, we need to sell American cars. I know. I've been tasked with selling American cars, uh, designing something that Americans would buy. I know. I'll make it look like a tank. Uh, I want to so- make a car I can surrender to. <laughs> well, he was being liberated by. So- I want to make a car that I want to be liberated by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically what I'm saying is... From when, a lesser car, I've already surrendered. When Detroit <laughs> needs to sell cars to Americans, they look to machines that killed Nazis, <laughs> yeah. is what I'm saying. Like that's the go-to move. Decades, you know, this is between like the '50s and like the '80s uh, when this happened. It's like, well, we're out of ideas. Well, what else killed a Nazi? You know, I guess the next one will look like a V2 rocket. Uh, I mean, they're they're running out of machines that kill Nazis <laughs> at this point. Uh, so. Um, but that's it for shout-outs. Uh, but no, we have some anecdotes, of course. Or did you have any others? Well, it's just all this talk. I remembered one thing. Oh, okay. It's probably really mainstream, but it's the new Magic set's coming out next okay. month. And I know I've already shared a lot of the uh, – <clears throat> I've shared a lot talking with people on RPPR and on the group me and such. But Oh, yeah, yes, sir. They're really capturing the horror feel. Of this current set, it feels very much like a gothic horror, Lovecraftian themed. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you showing some. Like one of the cards is literally called "Thing in the Ice," and it eventually breaks out and turns into a giant tentacled horror. So, eh. nice. Yeah, Uh, it does look really cool. And actually, I did forget. uh, There is one more shout out uh, because another book uh, that Caleb read. Uh, So I read David Wong's latest, and he wrote uh, as. We might be familiar. Uh, John dies at the end. Mm-hmm. I've read that. And uh, this book is full of spiders. Seriously, did don't open it. That's the full title, I think. Uh, so but I read. You opened his, it. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I read his latest called uh, "Futuristic Violence in Fancy Suits," um, and it is the most Ross Payton novel I have ever read in my life. Wow! Uh, it is everything David Wong happened to be. Uh, interested in at the moment he started writing it and it's going to be in the book by God <laughs> I don't care what it is so the basic plot is uh, <clears throat> a young girl in the near future so there's self-driving cars yeah. uh, uh, wearable computing devices stuff like that a young girl in the near future uh, living in a trail park inherits a bunch of money from her deadbeat father Who and after she gets that money she's instantly being um, hunted by a group of uh, online psychopaths uh, that have given themselves superpowers with new technology. Um, so, because uh, they've put out a bounty on her head, someone named Moloch has. So she has to go to uh, go and get with her father's former associates and employees in a uh, Randian libertarian city with no laws or any regulations called Tabula Rasa. In the Nevada desert, um, with all this futuristic technology and stuff, um, and they are all high functionary uh, criminals and corporate negotiators, uh, and they're called the men in fancy suits. So basically, the plot is uh, it's a near future Willy Wonka story <laughs> where rhetorical professionals have negotiations with. MRAs turned supervillains with quantum energy capacitor technology in a 
Randian libertarian city in Nevada. I, I don't know what you're getting at. Ross, why are you smiling so big? I used all of some of those elements. Uh, so uh, it's got like scenes, I guess, that string it together from one nonsensical crazy thing to the next. About the only consistencies are dick jokes, which are all pretty good uh, and unexpected. Uh, but it really just becomes about the nature of what you expect out of narrative. Yeah. Uh, by the end of it, because it's just stringing together so many mm-hmm. like nonsensical, crazy strings, and the protagonist is very much not uh, your typical protagonist. So it's 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 very much trying to comment on like I think if I analyzing it deeply enough uh is very much comments on the audience's expectations of what a protagonist is and what a hero sure. is and what counts as heroic action because you know you're rooting for the people who are negotiating not the guys with laser hands because they're all big muscly mra douchebags <laughs> uh but uh in the end as it's doing that it is following the tropes exactly <laughs> uh which is kind of fun as it sort of satirizes and subverts uh, even as it lovingly fulfills. Nice. Uh, but it's insane. It's <laughs> everything is in there. Yeah. And nothing is explained. Uh, well, I explained some things. Yeah, it's not a bad book yeah. at all, but it is just a lot yeah. uh, going on. <laughs> like, I can kind of describe uh, John Dies as the end. It's like, yeah. you know, two stoners right, get right. involved and become Cthulhu investigators. Yeah. Like, that's that's John Dies at the end. Uh, and then the second one is the sequel. Uh, yeah. with, but this is just weird. It's so it's so, a standalone. It's not connected. It's a standalone. Okay. So this is like Atlas Shrugged meets Ghost in the Shell? I know, like, it, it's it's not... The only thing that's like more than five minutes in the future, kind of near future writing, is the uh, the the actual powers that the MRA crazy guys give themselves. Yeah. Uh, but everything else is like three D printing, okay. wearable computing, uh, smart fabric, uh, things of that nature. I think my favorite scene in it is that she's about to be murdered by one of the psychos. <laughs> And she cannot defend herself against him because he is a enormous, right, nearly engineered beast, impossible to kill man. So she keeps ruining his shot. Like she'll grab his camera and throw it away, and then she'll run some more, or she'll like fart, or she'll like refuse to cry or scream. It's like no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, So she's just making it like really unflattering to him. To kill her, cause like, and so it becomes like uh, PR versus uh, terrifying death monster uh, because because he's trying to live stream it to all his murder followers on the on the stream. So like, he can't do it until he gets a good shot, and so she keeps on ruining his chance. <laughs> to it's kind of like, like Ill- illustrating fate, social versus physical conflicts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I and there's a lot of scenes like that where like yeah. one but he really one guy can really kill the other person and like they're just trying to socially maneuver their way out of it. <laughs> uh so yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but yeah. it's the most Ross Payton book I've ever read. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm not sure how to take that. Uh, but yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, cool. Uh, that's some stuff for you guys to check over. Uh, we still have some anecdotes, though. Uh, since you guys are both here, uh, we could talk about the Dresden Files campaign and uh, Fallen Flag, the Red Markets campaign that I'm running for Caleb, uh, and the rest of the RPPR group. Well, some of the RPPR group. The RPPR family has grown. Um, so much. So much. Uh, Dan, first, why don't we talk about Dresden Files? Uh, any recent shenanigans you want to get up to? Um, well... There was something about fire truck recently, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't in that session. That was Team Face. Well, okay. Well, Team Guar did some things. Ross, you weren't there for this, but Team yeah. Guar did some things that pissed off an ancient vampire sorceress. <laughs> like and, you do. Like they do. And her major demand was, well, I'm going to join up against the faction in town that's actively working against you unless you make reparations for the thing you have done to piss The Muppets, me off. by the way. They were, Jim Henson's gone mad. So. What? <laughs> no, nothing. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Team Face was given the task of resolving this dispute. And so they found a way to resolve it. But in the course of making the handoff for the deal, they yeah. wanted to protect themselves as thoroughly as possible. So they got themselves a fire truck filled with blessed holy water. <laughs> So that way, if the vampire got uppity, they could just turn on the deck cannon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's like one of the most dress and file things I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, did it work today? Did they get the deal? Yeah, yeah, they did. It was just it was it turned into one of those like oh, she was flattered that you took went that far to prepare. <laughs> uh, you nice. took me that seriously. That's cute. <laughs> oh, you, you know how to show a girl a good time. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Um, Caleb, you've been playing. What 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 uh, in the last session or two has really uh, uh, sticks out in your mind? Uh, uh, for Fallen Flag? Yeah. Uh, well, um, Aaron Aaron. <laughs> what? You have to be more specific than that. All right. Well, we decided to be big damn heroes. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we went bigger than we probably should have. Uh-oh. And it ended up with David trapped out in the Lost, surrounded by zombies and vectors. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was rough. It was not looking good for him. So we go back, and we get actually paid for the job. So we start spending that money, and we get back out there. So we get back out there, um, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna rescue David. So he's trapped in the basement of this house that's just swarming with zombies. So I buy grenades. So I throw a grenade to cause a loud noise. Things run off. So we alleviate some of the problems. So um, we go. Uh, who was with us? Was Faust with us? Faust uh, was with us. Yeah. Uh, then Tom was not. No, because... He doesn't do things that might put him in actual danger. <laughs> Big wheel, anybody? Uh, anyway, uh, so we go out, um, and it's me, Aaron's character, and Faust's character. So Faust's yeah. character makes a stealth check. I do not want to make a stealth check. I'm trying to get their attention mm-hmm. so I can drop grenades on them because we need to distract them and get out of there. Uh, so Faust has the gas for the car that's wrecked into the house. Yeah, uh, we need to gas it up before we can leave again. Well, it's not wrecked at this point. It's well, it's it's hit a house, but it can still drive. Right, right. But it's out of gas. Uh, so Faust has the gas. Aaron's the one with the drive skill. So that's why we brought Aaron. Uh, so first mistake, you let Aaron have an exclusive skill. Uh, so Faust makes a stealth check, not seen by the zombies. Aaron does not, so he's seen by the zombies. So Aaron's fighting the zombies. Uh, but David gets away. I'm still blowing up zombies like crazy. So, 
Faust gets the gas in the truck. Aaron gets in the truck. They're working on it. David's fighting his way. I'm still fighting zombies, getting free. Uh, so they <laughs> get in the truck and they start driving away. Aaron crit fails his drive check, <laughs> destroys the truck, <laughs> totaling it. Um, well, actually, I said it was basically he ran into a pothole, and so it, like the car wasn't even totaled; just you could not get it it's out. It's totaled when it's surrounded by forty zombies. All right, so contextual, <laughs> totally. All right, so <laughs> that happens; it all goes bad. Then someone gets uh, bit or yeah. hurt. Then Aaron crit fails his self control. His yeah. self control check, so he goes nuts. And Faust does too. So Faust goes screaming, running back to the enclave. Because you can pick fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. <laughs> David runs. I'm like, all right, we lost the truck. We lost the bounty. At least we saved everybody. We got to go. So Aaron chooses not flight. Aaron chooses fight. <laughs> yep. There's no reason at all for him to do this mechanically. <laughs> other than he's, well, I tried the other ones before. <laughs> so as everyone else runs away... Aaron goes walking into the horde of zombies. And it's at this point I realized that in a game where not five minutes ago, David's character was trapped in a closet about to be consumed on all sides by the undead. Flash forward five minutes and we're trying to save Aaron again (laughs) from killing himself. Uh, So (laughs) we managed it by a roll. Yeah. But I was very tempted to throw a grenade at him <laughs> and just call it a day. Uh, but I, I, I didn't want to because he did go out there and he did try. Yeah. The crit fails weren't his fault. But it's just it's just entropy, man. It's just like the lowest part. It's where all the water settles. Aaron <laughs> going to go kill himself. Like, it's going to happen. Uh, uh, yeah, so... So, yeah. what, how is your experience being a player in the game system that you designed? Uh, I talked about this a little bit in uh, Game Designer Workshop. Um, Which will be posted after this. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard to talk about because I enjoy it. I enjoy it quite a bit more than a, a lot of campaigns I've ever been in. Uh, and I feel like a total smug asshole for saying that because <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, because it's my game. But, yeah, but no, I feel like everyone has really well-defined character concepts for a group of six people. I know everybody's name. Mm-hmm. I know what they do. We have a good player dynamic. Yeah, we've got a cool setting that we've designed. We've gone on some cool missions. I feel like there's long plots developing. Yeah. so I really enjoy it. But I don't know how to say so without sounding like a tool. Uh, so, <laughs> and making uh, all those other campaigns in the past. Bleh. I didn't say, didn't say that. Did not say that. because you would include the other campaigns he has run in that as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that, I, I'm not including all of them. It's not my yeah. favorite one ever, but I really enjoy it. I like yeah. my character. Uh, yeah. No, I'm having a blast running. are working well, but uh, if we didn't have, yeah, we have had. It a, sounds so disingenuous to say. Like, yeah. It, uh, uh, it's. Self praise, God, Caleb. Why do you have to be so humble? Yeah, it's it's so Donald Trump. I designed a game and it's the best game ever, and I loved it. (laughs) Okay, I know a lot of games, and my game is the best. I know it's great. It's a great game. I have the best games. I have the I have the best games. (laughs) I have the best games. (laughs) You know, there is a line between. Abject hatred of self hatred, and then Donald Trump. There's 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 a middle ground. Did you know that? Like it was fun, and I, I do. Like, but if I can see that line, 
I'm already too close. <laughs> and I need to back away. <laughs> I kind of wish we had played this week. Uh, we did have a bit of a, a, a plague, a spot of plague hit on the RPPR community here. Uh, we all Different got, plagues, apparently. Yeah, colds and flus and uh, a bit of, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever kind of but poxes. We did learn that Faust was the one that didn't catch. Well, he had the least it. contact with all of us. So, well, uh, he didn't have anything this week. He was sick the previous week. That's oh, that's right. He did ah. have strep throat. Yeah, but then I was sick the week before that. Yeah, and you were sick the week before that. Well, week. that was food poisoning. That was not. That was that. Well, was, I mean, yeah. it's not. We're not tracing actual pandemics yeah, either. Yeah. We're just talking about. Uh, but it's been a very sickly yeah quarter yeah at uh, RVPR. Yeah. Uh, well, we did learn. We were going before this podcast recording. We were talking about how Faust, being mostly immune to all of it, means we obviously need to eat his heart and consume <laughs> his power. So I was just happy with the Red Market's again. LARP idea. I, yeah, I still haven't gotten feedback on that. Where everyone else <laughs> role plays a vector, and whoever can <laughs> cough on Faust gets twenty of bounty. Uh, Faust is. Much smaller than all of us and very fast. <laughs> it would not be a very entertaining game. Also, we have to use teamwork. Also, all of our fat asses are ill. So we're even slower than usual. It's mechanically unbalanced, Okay. <laughs> all right. You, all right. That, I asked for feedback and I got it. I can't say anything. So uh, I guess that ends uh, this wor- uh, scenario. Uh, this is Ross Payton with uh, RPBR episode 127, scenario chapter. Uh, My my boss is a Shoggoth. My boss is a Shoggoth. My right. boss was a teenage Shoggoth? Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.